Hello, everybody. It's time for another LJ and Redders AFL podcast. Journalist with the Wimmera Mail down there in Horsham, Lucas James Holmes. Hello, LJ. Good evening, David. Evening, ladies and gentlemen. And some interesting results over the weekend. We had a club's joint biggest win in their history and a nail-biting game on a Sunday afternoon against two sides that have only, between their two games, have had what a cumulative three points as a result. So uh, plenty to go through. Before we go onto the footy, um, I've just we're just talking off air, everybody, but I've just been watching extended highlights of Ash Gardner's magnificent performance in taking thirteen for an, uh, sorry, twelve for in a test match, and taking eight for sixty six to bowl Australia to victory at Trent Bridge, Lucas. That is a superb performance on, and she was moving them both ways. She had her straight ball really going, but she turned them and she bounced them. She was brilliant, Lucas. Yeah, and it was a pitch that was doing a little bit um, as well. Five day. Ashes women's test match was great to see and it got a result and deserved Ding, 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 yep. ding to cricket administrators. Play <laughs> proper cricket and give these athletes a chance to bowl on fifth-day pitches and you know what? You might get some results. Yeah, eight for 66, as you said, David. Um, best uh, figures for an Australian in, te- in test history, um, which in the women's game is quite an achievement considering, as we just touched on there, how little and it's unfortunate how little test matches they play. But in terms of the whole series, it's big. David, four points, of course, with the women's Ashes series, a cumulative scores of the tests, the one days and the T20s, they get points determined on the games, on the games they win, David. It's not for others that may be aware of the men's series, but it's all on a five-test series. So it's a big advantage for the Australians too, and doing it without their captain, um, Meg Lanning too. But... Can't take anything away from Alyssa Healy keeping and playing David with two broken fingers. So huge achievement for not only a player, but of a keeper of her calibre um, to have that sort of performance. And speaking of keepers, we might get to an English keeper a bit later on when we get the chance as well. She, well, she is a keeper and she she's a Healy. So, you know, she'd play with five. Um, let's go with that right now. You were talking about English keepers. You want to talk about that now? Yeah, interesting too. Men's test tomorrow night, David, of course, at Lords. Um, interesting to see what way the English go. I think the Australians will probably go with Stark instead of Boland, bolster up their batting a little bit in the, in the lower order. But there's been some, some interesting media the last, well, since the back end of the last test match where, where it's going to be Ben Fogues or Johnny Bairstow. Of course, Bairstow out, out in the long term with that injury, David, and looked a little subpar. Um, to put it lightly, to see your expression there in that test match, we all know how good of a player he is, but we're seeing when Ben Spokes has got the opportunity, how world-class of a keeper he is. I recorded an Ashes preview podcast with Dan Saunders, Josh Moxie and Nathan Bracken a few weeks ago. And yeah. I said that, and the, the guys scoffed a little bit when I said that best is a backstop. Well, he's a terrific bat, 78 off 77 in the first dig. But he is just not up to it at, at test level as a keeper. If they persist, it plays into Australians' hands, in my mind. The problem is if they pick folks, someone has to miss out. And yeah. that that's where that's where the problem is. And remember that Stokes is playing true. Well, he did take an important wicket, but he's on one leg. Uh, I think that's a very interesting decision for them. I hope they make the wrong one. Um, and the other thing is uh, world sport, just a quiet little cycle race starting in Bilbao in Spain this Saturday night. To, to, yeah, Lucas is rubbing in, as do I. The Tour de France starts in Spain, ladies and gentlemen, in Bilbao. 
The first, strangely enough, the first legs are 182 kilometer leg, which they often don't do. They sometimes have a criterion. But 182 kilometers around Bilbao, the next day is also in Spain. And then they cross across to Bayonne. The first mountain stage is stage five um, in the, the Pyrenees of the first mountain stages this year. Cannot wait, Lucas. World-class sport. And those mountain stages are just brutal. And speaking to Nick Foster, some of those, he says, David, some of those mountains are, are terrible. Though. <laughs> They're terrible to cycle up. And there's, a, and there's a small tennis grand slam starting the next little while too. So uh, uh, plenty to go with, David. There is indeed. Okay, um, round 15 results. Football, what? Football, yeah, what? <laughs> Lucas and I consider it talk sport. We should actually do a sporting podcast, I suppose, but it, it, we're here for footy. Geelong 11-12, Melbourne 8-15. Terrific win from Geelong, although with a significant injury. Brisbane 12-12 over St Kilda 8-8. Lucas and I both tipped the Brisbane Lions, I believe, um, and uh, I was confident they'd get up. The Swans of the West Coast is a fascinating result. Um, Sydney 31-19, the West Coast 5-4. There's been some recriminations. One of the agenda items tonight, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in history, I've actually brought on an agenda item, which is I'm sure that Lucas will be pleased with. We'll talk about that. From Andal, don't know how they, where they pulled this one from. They're so inconsistent, 14-9 over Eston, 9-7, and that's a convincing win uh, at home. Collingwood did it again, ladies and gentlemen, after Adelaide pulled off a seven goals to naught three third quarter. Collingwood came back like this wet sail. They, gee, they must be fit. 12, 10, 11, 14. And Jordan Dawson, by all accounts, has got, pulled off three votes in a losing team and was just outrageous. And then the Suns showed what they can actually do. 14, 17 over Hawthorne, 5, 4. Hawthorne will be disappointed. They've been in reasonable form. Carlton, North Melbourne, Port Adelaide, the Western Bulldogs, my GWS Giants and Richmond all had the buys. Louis, back to Thursday night football. Geelong, despite a very uh, a sickening concussion for Jeremy uh, Cameron with friendly fire, a good win for them, 15 points over Melbourne. It was, and it was an eight-minute stoppage at the, at the start of that, more or less the start of that game, David, and for the Geelong fans and for football fans all around, I think it's thankful it's only concussion because, as you said, it was a sickening clash. Gary Rowan coming across the front of the contest and uh, cleaning up uh, Jeremy Cameron wasn't a good look at all. But other than that, Geelong ground out a pretty decent performance in, in inclement weather there at Cadenia Park in Geelong. Uh, uncontested possessions that was key for Melbourne in this one was 199 to 170. Um, hit-outs, as you'd expect, would go... Melbourne's way, 47 to 31, with Gordon Grundy doing the brunt of the work, of course. And yeah, but Ge- for Geelong yeah. to get 31 out of 78 hitouts, they'd be very happy with that, to be honest. Yeah, Reece Stanley coming back in. He's a pure ruckman. Mark Blitzarves, of course, isn't is probably He's one not. of the be- be- better utility players in the, in the whole of the league. But where Geelong He's really his own that- class. Mark Blitzarves is his own class of player. He's the ultimate hybrid footballer, steeplechase background, elite endurance runner, can play wing, can play halfback, can play in the ruck. Just he, He's been an extraordinary footballer for a guy that was an athlete who, who is a genuine athlete in the truest sense of the terminology, Lucas. Um, but Blitchavs is almost unlike any other AFL player I think I've ever seen. Yeah, and you, and you, and in this league, particularly in the AFL, you don't get many um, athlete, like athletes that are then moulded into footballers. It's quite a specific specific skill. So it's often footballers that build as athletes. You see it in, in 
the NFL, particularly where they look for more traits and things like that, and then build them into footballers. But this game, again, Geelong really got it with their forward pressure, with, with their smalls, particularly broke close. Was that he had 24 touches, four tackles, three clearances. Um, Tennant Bruin probably had his best game in, in blue and white hoops. He had 19, two goals, yes. two tackles, and six clearances. But for Melbourne and Brownlow, which leave Christian Petrarca, 33 disposals, a goal, six tackles, and 10 clearances. And we spoke about Gary Rowan earlier, David. He was allowed to run and jump, which for people who've seen Gary Rowan in the past is something they should, he shouldn't do without a body or two on him. He kicked three goals. And uh, Petrarca picked up votes in a losing team in the ESPN unofficial leaderboard. Brisbane did the business in Melbourne against St Kilda. St Kilda are really struggling. And Brisbane, there, there's some interesting articles today saying they're written off. I'm sorry, I, I think that that's bunkum. I think the final four will be Mel- in no particular order, Melbourne, Collingwood, Port Adelaide and Brisbane, which will mean that they'll get a final at home. Um, I think they can get... And I, I'm not convinced that anyone's going to break into that top four. I, I'm just not convinced, uh, as it is now. But Brisbane, um, one of the weaknesses they've had is that oh, they often don't win away from home. This is a good, solid four-quarter performance, and they'll be very pleased to get back to the wall on Gabba, where they've got a big game this weekend. Um, they'll be very pleased, simple as that. That's a good win. Yeah, it was, and too. It was the it was Spud's game, David, too. I'm highlighting the mental health side of things as well. Of course, Danny Crawley, great with St Kilda, but in the first half of the game to itself, it was the Harris Andrews show, David. He had seven intercept positions at half-time, uh, finished with, with nine of them, one short of that. Uh, uh, joint record of like six or seven uh, defenders we spoke about a couple of uh, probably a month or two ago when Darcy Moore got there. Um, so Andrew is nine intercept possessions. He finished with 14 marks. Um, speaking of um, milestones, Rowan Marshall played his 100th, uh, Brad Crouch played his 150th across, across two clubs, excuse me, Adelaide and St Kilda. Um, to uh, former great Western Victoria Rebels products as well in the, in, in the TAC Cup and the like NAB League, now the Coach Talent League. But uh, the stats, David, um, Marks, Brisbane really, they played a really uncontested brand of football. Mark, Marks, 88 to 124 in Brisbane's favour. Uh, 10, uh, 18 of those inside forward, 50 and 14 of those contested. Um, but pressure around the footballers, we know St Kilda do quite well. They won the tackle count, 77 to 56. Um, and, and the players specifically, uh, Sinclair, Jack Sinclair, 36 disposals, a goal, yep. four tackles, six clearances uh, off half back. Lockie Neal, 29 disposals, two tackles and nine clearances. And Josh Dunkley, again, 26 disposals, a tackle, uh, one goal, excuse me, seven tackles and three clearances. And both, both, both Sinclair and uh, Neal mentioned in the ESPN votes as well. Um, how do we put this? At the moment, the West Coast Eagles are now could shape some of the final series if they continue to play like they did. The reason being that Sydney picked up huge percentage. They won by 171 points. Uh, many years ago, Lucas, when you were a young bloke, th- this sort of scoreline cost Dean Bailey his job at Melbourne when they went to Geelong and kicked, gave up 33 goals. Um some scathing articles about the West Coast about how they've developed or not developed their list in recent years, how old they are. There's seven of them, 31 or older. They haven't been helped by an extraordinary injury run 
And if you could go back to the start of Nick Netanyahu's career and say, listen, mate, we might give you an extra year off and get your body right and, and um, try and prevent injuries. But at the moment, they are basically a waffle level side. There's not there's not much more you can say. Sydney put them to the sword as they have to. But everybody now, I don't see much hope for the West Coast. And I suppose, Lucas, it is an agenda item. Let's let's go for it now. A lot of talk about should the West Coast Eagles get a priority pick because it looks like they're headlong marching towards a number one draft pick. Do you think that they have the rights to get a priority pick, Lucas James Holmes? I don't think so, David. When you look at it, those sides that have in, in recent years, North Melbourne's probably the main one we're looking at when we look at the draft concessions. Um, they've, they've had a period of time, a, a, a number of years, that they've struggled, struggled quite badly. Yes, West Coast haven't done so well last year and even more so this year. But really, I think that's only, what, two, if not a three-year process. And let's not forget they were premiers in 2018, David. So, it's, yes, it's been what I'd probably term as a sharp drop-off, but I don't think it's been long enough for them to be warranted at number one. Uh, I priority pick, excuse me. Can you can you expand on that a bit more? Yep. Are you, oh, no, no, I'll ask questions rather than expand. Let me, let me say something. Um, mm-hmm. They are at the bottom of the bottom. They're clearly the worst side in the AFL. North Melbourne put up a reasonable effort most times. Excluding when GWS and the Gold Coast came into the competition, which is entirely different. That's that's its own. And if Tasmania ever get in, which I'm sorry, I'm still not convinced Tasmania will get in. I'm not being nasty, but I'm not convinced that stadium will ever be built. I think it could be an election breaker in Tasmania. That's how big a deal it is. Um, when do you get a priority pick, Lucas? I mean, how bad do they have to be until in your mind? Now, I ask you a direct opinion. You gave a very strong, well, as always, astute, adroit answer. When do you start? When do you start to consider this? How much worse do they have to get? Well, I don't think. Well, and I, and I don't think there's an actual set criterion because it's in very exceptional circumstances, isn't it, where teams have granted uh, draft concessions and priority picks. But I think, and you and you said it right off the top, the, the injury list is obviously a, a clear issue when it comes to this. What they had at some circumstance, at some point there, they only had 25 um, fit players to pick from. We all know that players all throughout the year carry an eagle. So none of those will be would be hundred percent fit as it were either. So I think I think the injury toll is probably a large process of that. Would it make them that much better? No, but I think they'd be a lot more competitive. Especially at especially at Optus Stadium. Yeah. And, and, and we know uh, and we know Optus Stadium is one of those grounds that has had issues with prior to this year, um, with soft tissue injuries and things like that. Collingwood have had a number of soft tissue injuries and they think it's more to with their training ground there at Olympic Park now, now AIA's Vitality Centre. But it's one of those grounds that sort of had issues with soft tissue uh, injuries over the last couple of years. And we've seen that come full circle. They've just, their strength and conditioning coach is going to leave the club at the end of 2023, who's been there since 2008. So that shows how um, highly they hold him in regard and how badly it's gone for, for them to let him go. So I think that's part of it. But to answer your question, question in full. Um, I, I think the injury is a large part of it, but I don't think 
that should be taken into account a great deal when it comes to the awarding of a priority pick in this circumstance, no. And you've also got a point here, pick purchasing, please expand. Yeah, um, it's an interesting one that got, um, that got shunned by the AFL in 2021. And it was one that Sam Mitchell um, brought up in the last couple of weeks. And it's actually, it's a little bit complex. So I'll try and, try and restrict it to, to its core. And it's more to the fact that it would be beneficial to those clubs that have one high salary cap space. So at this stage, Hawthorne, Essendon and North Melbourne are the three clubs that have the most salary cap space in the AFL, David. And it would be also beneficial to those older, um, more experienced clubs, i.e. Geelong, Collingwood, um, that, are in a, that are in a premiership that, that have been or that are in a premiership window, David, that may also have emerging talent that may warrant um, uh, greater contracts in terms of re, in, in terms of re-signing value. So it would be more to the fact that Collingwood would go to a club, Essendon or Hawthorne may go to a club like Collingwood that have low salary cap space, but that what that want um, that that may have higher draft picks, and um, those clubs, your know, Hawthorns, your Essendons, maybe maybe wanting higher draft picks to improve their overall talent pool, and that would also that would also give Collingwood or clubs like that, Geelong, that I've just spoken about there, greater flexibility that it would come to uh, signing players that are after larger deals that are emerging talent. Okay. So you and I both watch a lot of and monitor how American sport is run and the drafts all come from there. Yeah. Do you think that the West Coast would consider, just say they jagged a priority pick, Yep. Just say they get it and they get one and three or one and two, okay? Do you think that if you were the West Coast list management that you'd go shopping and bundle them, move some players on and actually go and get four or five players for the two or six players? And you know how big a move in the NFL they've got to offer draft pick after draft pick after draft pick to get the player they want. Do you think that the West Coast Eagles would be daring enough to go and say to someone, look, to say to two clubs, say they say they went to say, um, say they went to GWS and said, we'd like to have Whitfield and Kelly, and here's a number one draft pick as an example. Do they go and go? Do they, you name the top ten players in the league? In fact, I'll go and get them now. Do West Coast go and say? We're interested in Noah Anderson or Sinclair or Soros. They wouldn't get so wrong. He lives in Perth anyway. Um, Dawson, someone like that. Do they go and try and bundle picks and then get a haul back? Is yeah. that something? Do, do you think that that is something that is a, an actual possibility or is that just David talking absolute trot? Yeah, it's not like you do that. So that, that, would, be, that would be a first, but... That that would be something that'd be really interesting to see because it, I don't you wouldn't think it, as you said it happens quite regularly um, in American sports but I don't think it's something we've seen it in, in this code before so it'd be fascinating to see how it would turn out. I but don't I, remember you know, and one of the reasons is that there's so much salary to play with in America. You're talking twenty thirty four. I mean uh, uh, that 
Jokic is on 50 a year, Patrick Mahomes 45, J- um, Jalen Hurts 50, Aaron Rodgers next year. I know it's an inequity with their Sony 108 in a year, and that's an anomaly. But he's talking so much money. It's a little bit harder to do when the, you can't offer someone that that much money. And again, if they go and offer draft picks are cheap. Well, and that, that's basically yeah, and that's basically what the Gold Coast did with Jack Bowes. It was Bowes and pick seven for basically salary cap relief with with that trade with the Gold Coast and Geelong um, in the trade period in 2022. But to, to get around to your question again, I think they'd have to be extremely cautious in terms of the players they want to chase. Yes, you'd immediately look at the top of your list and you go, we'd like to have, I don't, I'll just name a couple of players. You want, they've got a key forward to already. So you wouldn't want a key forward because you've already got Oscar Allen and you've got Jake Waterman forward. You, you maybe want to contest the ball player. So you maybe, oh, you you want Petrarca, you want Bonzo Pelly. But I think you've got to be a little bit more cautious than that because they're sort of in their prime already and, in, in their mid to late twenties, I think you'd have to have a long hard look and go for a player that's maybe in the league for three or four years, maybe in their early to mid, early to very early mid twenties, and that's the player you'd have to probably try and build around rather than those in your in your mid to late twenties. So maybe a player twenty three than under rather than a player that's twenty seven or older. I, I was going to say 25, which is right in the middle of what you've spoken. Again, very intelligent points. It'd be fascinating to see, but the the pivot of all of this is that West Coast have got to get that priority pick. And as Lucas has said, in his opinion, it's not it's not warranted at this time. Um, Fremantle surprised quite a few of us, beating Eston by 32 points. Good win for Freo. Keeps them in touch. The ladder's getting very close. And that's why West Coast Eagles games become very important because not everybody's got them left. There's only six or seven rounds left. And not everybody can go and get up 10% in a game or 8% in a game. Um, Lucas, Collingwood and Adelaide, you were telling me off air that you, you were listening to the end of this. Um, don't you... Yeah, as a, I think I've asked you this enough. Let's just go as a, as a pure football person. How did Collingwood keep doing this? It's it's remarkable. And again, ladies and gentlemen, they've beaten Adelaide twice by a combined total of three points. That's how close it's been. Uh, and this goes to show where the Adelaide Crows are and another lights-out performance from Taylor Walker, I might add. Yeah, and after it wasn't a very a very promising start for the key forwards either, David, him, Phil Thorpe or Fogarty really couldn't get their hands on the football. The delivery inside 50... Um, wasn't great, but yeah, as you said, seven seven straight goals kept Collingwood goalless in that third term and got them in front. They were 13 points up at three-quarter time, though, but I think it's all mostly to do with the belief that Craig McRae ha- has in his players. Um, yeah, yes, all, all, all players can't be stars, David, but they've all got, they've all got a role, and it, and is and is you see it at grassroots, yeah, community football. We've got drilled into it from our age. You win your contest. And if you win, if if you all win your contest, you go on to win the game. But I think it's more of those unheralded role players that got them over the line in the end. David John Noble, um, across halfback, was outstanding. One of those mid-season draft picks from a couple of years ago. Yep. Bo McCreary started as a sub, which I don't think will happen uh, for the rest of the year. His pressure around the football is phenomenal when he came on, David. But you spoke about before about Jordan Dawson. He played his hundredth game across the both Sydney and Adelaide football clubs. He was absolutely outstanding, David. 35 disposals, 12 tackles and five clearances. Um, Nick Dacos had 37, one goal, five tackles and eight clearances. You said there, 
uh, Taylor Walker, he kicked five goals. Uh, Jamie Elliott and Mason Cox are the next best with two each. But yeah, Adelaide fought their way back into the contest. Their pressure in front of the football was outstanding. Isaac Rankin was was great. Um, yes, he had limited touches, but the pressure he applied in the Ford 50 was outstanding. Um, Worrell at the back for, for Adelaide was good too. Uh, Nick Murray, before he came off with what looked like a hamstring injury, was outstanding too. So they've got a number of players there. They've really invested in their young core, as we spoke about the last couple of weeks. Deligo re-signed, Schoenberg re-signed, Rochelle uh, re-signed David. And, uh, not, not to toot my horn a little bit, but when we had this discussion early, early in the season and we, and we both went around and said, who outside the eight do you think will be the most improved uh, coming into 2023, and my answer was? The Adelaide Crows. Yep. Nope, you're not tooting your own horn. And the Gold Coast put Hawthorne to bed very, very quickly and ruthlessly. Um, they are building something. It's going to be very interesting at the end of this year. And you wonder if the Gold Coast sneak into the eight, if Stuart Jew holds on to his job, because there are some very senior names being mentioned as possibly being considered on their way to Carrara. Um They've done most of this year without Tuke Miller. Noel Anderson is just playing lights out football. He's a chance at the Brownlow. Matt Rowe's playing great football. They've got one of the best ruckmen in the league. Um, they've got good backbone. You know, they, Gold Coast has literally have chances of having quite a few all Australians, which you've never said never. Not about them as a group. So you know, let's hope that they can continue and finish off the season really, really well. Um, yeah. Go on, you were going to say. Sorry, yeah, I better say, and it wasn't a it wasn't a great start for the Suns either, David. The Hawthorne kicked the first three goals, but after half time, I think Gold Coast kicked ten of the last twelve, um, so they put the game away. Hawthorne, uh, I think, was scoreless, if not goalless, in the second half. So that didn't help. That didn't help it either. But you spoke about Anderson there; he had twenty eight, two goals, six clearances. Uh, Blake Hardwick, Hawthorne, top the top the uh, disposal count. He had thirty eight, eight marks. And up halfback, he had 561 metres gain. Uh, Braden Fiorini for Gold Coast, he had 35. A tackle, seven clearances and 623 um, metres gain. And Malcolm Roses was a damage inside the 450. David, he kicked three goals. Before we go to round 16, the re-signing of Amati is on, on our list here. You wanted to discuss this? Uh, I did. Uh, I'm trying to bring it up because it only just dropped this, this afternoon, David. But uh, yes, Joel, Joel Amati... Uh, re-signed with the Sydney Swans. They only announced it this afternoon, David, until the end of 2026. Um, a joint career best game for him against the West Coast. He, he kicked four goals, and as you said, there was coming off contract at the end of uh, end of this season, David, three-year extension uh, with the Sydney Swans to the end of 2026, which is great for them too, um, considering what the, the issues they've had in their key position talent, particularly forward of the football uh, this season. Absolutely. Um, there is one part of the news in the AFL which is we're actually unable to comment on, um, but uh, some very sad and awful news from Western Australia in relation to a former footballer um, who's got himself in a lot of strife. We'll leave that one alone. But, um, yeah, thoughts and prayers are with the people involved um, over there. And, um, yeah, it's been a very controversial and, and sad Sad ex episode, to be quite honest with you. It's a bit hard to know what to say than much more than that, but Lucas knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and of course, to the um, with that, the AFL Hall of Fame is tonight as well. So Bruce McIverney, one of those 
are being enshrined in the Australian Football Hall of Fame tonight as well, which is great to see. It is. It is. Um, uh, in my mind, he's one of the best commentators in sport I've ever heard, particularly the fact that he can do so many of them. Um, I think there's been commentators in individual sports, and I've said this repeatedly on this podcast, so I won't this time. Tonight, this time I'll go at it differently. But McAvaney, you can throw out swimming, athletics, horse racing, and football, and it's that that that's almost unheard of. Dennis Kometty was probably that good, um, and that, those two work very well together. But now McAvaney deserves that. Um, he's um, yeah, he's he must just watch so much sport and read so much. What when the I actually think. He's better at horse racing than all of them. Um, but, yeah, the Olympic Games, I think we've all grown up listening to Bruce calling. You know, it's, yeah, especially Catherine Freeman's uh, 400-metre gold medal at Sydney Olympics, which, of course, you're a little bit too young probably to remember. So only two, that's right. Okay, Thursday, our football. Thursday night football is Brisbane and Richmond at the Wollongabba. Then Friday night football, some great games to start this, to the weekend. Sydney and Geelong, Friday night and footy. Hopefully the Muppets in Sydney get themselves there on time. They should have enough time with a 10 to 8 start. Sorry. Then Saturday afternoon, we're back to a four-round Adelaide hosting North Melbourne at the Adelaide Oval. Western Bulldogs hosting from Adelaide at the exact same time um, at 1.45. Twilight, Gold Coast versus Collingwood. That's a good game. That's a cracking game. The night game, Essendon and Port Adelaide at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Sunday, Twilight at the MCG, Hawthorne and Carlton. That's got potential. Melbourne and the GWS Giants play at the beautiful Traeger Park in Alice Springs, home of the Imparja Cricket Championships. And then the poor old Eagles have got St Kilda um, uh, at Optus Stadium in the late game, 2.40pm over there in Perth, 440 hour time. Lucas, thoughts and tips. Brisbane and Richmond, you go first here. Yeah, I don't think there's that many um, games in this round, David, that we probably shouldn't necessarily disagree with. Um, of course, Brisbane back at home, this game specifically, uh, Eric Hitwood coming off one of the better games in, in the last 12 to 18 months for him. He's been a little bit quiet, but uh, jumping out of the box there against a decent um, St Kilda back on with Josh Battle and Callum Wilkie holding down the key defence post there. Uh, as I said there, Brisbane back at home, Richmond a, a mid-season surge under Andrew McWalter, but you've, I think you've got to be slightly cautious, and we've seen that in the past with um, clubs um, putting their interim coaches on full-time. We've seen that on a number of occasions. Um, Brisbane at home, though, they'll be too strong, I think, by about three, three and a half goals uh, at the Gabba. Brisbane by 20 points for me. Friday night football, Sydney and Geelong at the Sydney, magnificent Sydney Cricket Ground. Um, a Sydney Cricket Ground that, interestingly, they're going to have to develop in the next few years. A couple of stadiums of uh, stands are very, very old now, in particular the O'Reilly stands, one of them. Uh, this is an interesting game. Because the Swans played touch football last week. They all played in dinner suits. Geelong with no Cameron, dangers back according to the according to the um and there's more, yes. You've got you've got more. Uh, I'll let you go. You you go here. Danger is definitely playing that we know. Yeah, danger field back. He's been cleared, David, but the big one that we spoke about, like one of their key players that's gone under the radar this year is a sub Radicalia. Um he's the other one that could be back and that'll hold down a key defensive post. And we spoke about that. Um, with Sydney, is more fragile when it comes to injuries on their, in their key position stock forward. So it might be a Marty, it might be Hayden McLean, um, who get that Radigalea matchup. He's been outstanding. But it's these two sides that put on a display the last couple of years. We've seen some nail biters between these two 
yes, it's at the SCG, David, um, it's, it's slightly similar to the fact that the Virginia Park um, slightly wider, though, but I still think Geelong with Dangerfield and particularly Reddick and Leah back, I think they'll get the job done, and they need to, too, because it, well, they're on the bottom end of the eight, aren't they? So they're still hanging around. I think Geelong will get the job done by about two and a half or three goals. Geelong by 10 points for me. I think it'll be a thriller. Uh, okay. Um, are we agreeing here that Adelaide will beat North Melbourne relatively comfortably at the Adelaide Oval? Yes. <laughs> the Western Bulldogs and Fremantle. I've, this is such a hard game to pick because they're both so freaking inconsistent. Freo's not playing at the G. I'm sorry, I can't pick him in Melbourne. I've got to go the, the, the Western Bulldogs here. Yeah, and it's at Marvel as well. And we, we know how well uh, the Western That's Bulldogs right. play under the roof. And we also know how how hard they went after Rory Live at the opening bounce over and how that backfired on them. So they've come out and said they openly won't do that again, um, which is the correct call. But yeah, the Western Bulldogs at Marvel under the roof would be some great matchups. So simulation. Simi uh, and Trace and Tracy, oh, sorry, Sean Darcy, excuse me, and the Rock will be really one to watch. That'll be great. Um, both have got some rugged on balls, two in the middle, Sarong and Libertore. Um, they don't I think they'll play on each other, but they may run off. Yep. Darcy and Jackson are lethal as a rock combination for, for Freo. And that's why, that's exactly why Freo went and recruited Luke Jackson hard. He's that good. And D- Darcy's a big unit, like he could be a bit fitter, but goodness me, he can play. He can flat out play um, and look there, the ruck combinations. But yeah, I think the dogs just. Yeah, dogs, two goals. And as I said, that was Jackson who went forward and kicked three last week against the Dons. So that was a big part of it. But yeah, Western Bulldogs under the roof at Marvel. Yeah, two and a half. Yeah, two, two and a half goals. Collingwood can't afford to, to take the Gold Coast Suns lightly, which they won't. Then their professional outfit. Collingwood's still doing all of this without a real strike forward, I might add. Duke, am I brave enough to pick Gold Coast at Carrara? Uh, be nice warm weather there too. No, I'm not. I think it'll be a very good game. I think Collingwood will get home by about 15 points. I think they're just a little bit deeper than them. And that their players twelve to eighteen are better than clearly better than the Gold Coast twelve to eighteen. Yeah, that's fair. And you spoke about key forward spots there too. David Collingwood came out and said that last week Dan McStay had suffered an infection in that uh, a surgically repaired finger, so that'll uh, shelf him for the next month or so. So they'll still be waiting for that real key strike forward to come back. But speaking about role players before Brody Myercheck and Mason Cox have done well, are bringing the ball to the ground forward. Um, particularly in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, at, at Carrara, too, it's going to be interesting, depending on the conditions. Could be quite humid, could be quite slippery. Uh, if it's anything in, the, in like this part of the world, it won't be. But being on the Gold Coast, I bet to differ. Um, ruck contest again, Cameron and Jared Wits, that'll be really one to watch. Um, and, and both back lines are pretty solid, too. Charlie Ballard, we've spoken about him. Uh, Braden Maynard came off with a staring in his shoulder late in that game against Adelaide too, David. So he's been listed as a test at the moment. Uh, but to a result, I think Collingwood might grind it out. I don't think they're doing it uh, much either way at the moment, although they had a, a, big, a bigger win against North Melbourne. But I'll go Collingwood, David. But I don't think it'll any, be any more than three goals in it. Are you brave enough to tip against Port Adelaide? Uh, no. Neither um, am I. Nor, I'll win. Uh, yeah, I think they will too. And 
particularly with Brandon Zerkstatcher, he's listed as a tank with an adductor, David, as well. So it's another key defensive uh, player for Essendon goes down, particularly with Todd Marshall resting up there. You've got Charlie Dixon. You've got Jeremy Finlayson, who's played particularly well in the last month or so. So they've got some really key uh, key forwards that can rest through there. Uh, Will and Drew's sort of, out, sort of gone under the radar in the midfield. And we'll see how much depth they have as well. Port Adelaide were on top of the ladder for a week or two, David. They'll, still, they'll keep going. I'll go Port by about four goals for me. Agreed. Hawthorne on Carlton, an interesting game. Neither are in great form. Carlton coming off a rest. Hawthorne after being pogoed by the Gold Coast Suns at Carrara. Um, I think Carlton's got more explosive plays. I think they'll just get home. Yeah, I think they'll do it somewhat comfortably. Um, particularly out speed, particularly with Kernow and Mackay down there. So I think that'll be play a major role in it. Um, they've got a little bit of a ruck advantage too. It'll be Reed up against Pitnett and, and Tom DeConing. So I think that'll tip it even more in Carlton's favour. And it's going to stay for midfield for me. I'll go Carlton David by about four and a half to five goals for me. I think Carlton by three goals. I think Hawthorne will put up a decent fight. Um, Clayton Ottawa has been ruled out. Um, he was expected to come back this week, but I'm assuming they've been very careful with a mid-age player and having to dr- dr- travel to Alice, Alice Springs and playing on probably a hard surface. Um, the Giants have actually been quite fair over the last month. They've played some good, hard footy and winning footy. Can they beat Melbourne at Traeger Park? I don't think so. I'd love to think they could, but the brain says... Melbourne by three to four goals, reasonably high-scoring game um, that gets cold quite quickly there. What's that, a 2.50 start in Northern Territory time? Um, But Melbourne by, oh, gee, 22 points probably is a reasonable tip. Yeah, they've played good honest football, haven't they, the Giants, in the last couple of weeks? Yes, they have. Josh Kelly have stood out. Uh, Kieran Briggs has been... Are quite consistent in the ruck as well, considering the uh, ruck issues they've had since Braden Cruz has moved over from Melbourne. So that was a key signing for them a couple of years ago. Hasn't managed to get on the park all that much. They've got Sam Taylor back. And let's not forget, too, that Melbourne has had some issues with their key forwards inside 450. Brent Brown's not playing at the moment. Jacob Van Royen has stood out for them, but they haven't had that real connection um, inside 450. And when they have, they haven't. Shot, shot the straightest in the world either. So that could affect them. But I'm with you. Melbourne will still be too strong, but I still think the Giants will uh, put in a good fight. Yeah, two and a half. Yeah, anywhere between that two to four goal margin, I think. Ben Brown played for Casey last week. and Poor old team's having to come against a couple of those Casey players. Goodness me. And then I suppose it's a matter of can the West Coast Eagles show some fight? They've been under so much pressure. They're still going to get pogoed. Um, it'd be nice to see him score 60 or 70 points and at least put some pressure on St Kilda and do something, I hope. But I don't have much, but I hope for their fans. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they will. I have to. They've been absolutely pogo um, in in the press this week, David, and and, fit, and rightly so. Paul Fitzpatrick put out a statement who's one of their chairs and said they're backing Adam Simpson. Um, this is in the last two days. So, of course, he's a premiership coach, so they're going to back him as long as they can, but they'll put in a better performance, that's for sure. But I still think St Kilda will win, particularly off their loss last week by about six or seven goals, maybe. Yeah, uh, I'm tipping St Kilda by about eight, seven or eight goals, yes. Now, quickly, before we go and have a look at some uh, the massive clash on Sunday in Horsham, 
the ESPN Brownlow medal predictor, the top three players all got votes. Nick Dacos, Jordan Dawson, Christian Petrarca. So the top 10s, Lockin Hill 15, up then Kadab Sarong, Jake Sinclair, Noah Anderson, Marcus Bontempelli with Sinclair, with Sarong and Noah Anderson picking up multiple votes. Then Tim Taranto, Zach Butters, who didn't poll last week, Nick Dacos, Jordan Dawson on top, Christian Petrarca. It's the closest Brownlow medal right now for years and years. And it could come down to the last game of the season. That's how close it is. Yeah, and probably you'd, and you definitely had to add one more in there with Clayton Oliver if he weren't to go down injured. So and see, it's great to see a variety of plays in there as well. We've all caught at the midfielders medal basically the last decade or so, but Jeremy Cameron's came out and before he got injured, gave it a real show. So it's great to see the depth of talent and the variety of talent too. It's not just the two or three players that you could basically pencil in for the last five or six years to go close. Well, it's interesting that the last the in the in the list of the last round, Melbourne's got Sydney in Sydney, Port's got Richmond at the Adelaide Oval, Adelaide's got the West Coast Eagles at Optus. Now they're teams that have got teams and vote, and the Pies in their Essendon. last game, Essendon, and at G. So there's a real chance at lots and lots of votes. Um, you know, it's great to see so many players just on the periphery make having great seasons. Toronto's had a breakout season. Anderson's been unreal. Sarong, we, Sarong is that good. He may win a Brownlow medal in his career. Neil's already won one. Petrarca is going to be helped in the Brownlow by the fact that Oliver's been missing for such a big part of the year. Um, and Dawson's just, he will win their best and fairest by the length of the Flemington straight. And Nick Dacos, what do you say? It's going to be interesting. You might have a Dacos 1-2 quite, con- quite conceivably in the Copeland Trophy. And I don't think that's happened very, but that is absolutely on the cards. They can yeah. go one, two. If not, it'll be one, two, it'll be one, three, and it'll be another uh, father-son uh, sitting in the middle of those two, I would imagine. And the other father-son was the fellow who won a Brownlow medal for two different clubs. Would that be correct? Uh, no, it would be the, uh, it would be last year's fourth grand centre half back. Whose father won Brownlow medals. Who Sorry, Brown, yeah, won, yep. Whose father won Brownlow medals for different clubs Sorry, after, yeah. he, after, after he unbelievably was allowed to transfer to Melbourne. I never quite understood that. Peter Moore was such a good footballer. But Peter Moore, in many ways, was not a Collingwood-type footballer. You know, pretty blonde hair, played graceful, elegant football. And you go up with some of the brutes at his place, blokes like Stan Magra and these sort of fellows who are just rough as guts, weird mouth, all those sort of lunatics. Then you got Peter Moore running around. It was, it was quite interesting to grow up with, I can tell you. Lucas, a massive derby on Sunday, Horsham and Horsham. It's at the Demons home ground, is that right? Uh, no, so it's that Horsham Saints home ground at Colin Park there. They did big facility, bowling greens. Uh, cricket and football ground on the one ground doubles as both. It's, it's 3v7 in the football day with the Saints um, surging toward, towards the finals berth. But in the netball day, it's by G. It's 1v2. Uh, one loss between these two sides all year. It's a grand final rematch from last year. So the netball will also be outstanding. They've been looking forward to that one as well. Is the, is the netball of that complex indoors or outdoors at that complex? So that's, that's indoors there, yeah. So it's it's indoor on a wooden surface, is that right? Correct, yep. So that is the netball at one or 10 past one? So the A-grade netball, David, is quarter past 12. Okay. Uh, the senior football is 2.20. Uh, so you can watch both. Yeah, okay. Yep. So that's my Sunday. Um, Saturday for me is Minyat Matoa and Stall at Minyat, David. That's, that's 5v6. So it's well and truly an eight-point game, of course, with a top five in our league, much like AFL Sydney. And that's a Minyat game, not Matoa this time. Is that uh, right? So at Minyat, yep. 
Lucas, just before we go, of all the teams you've seen, who is the most who's got the most depth to be able to challenge Ararat into the finals? Who can take Ararat deep of the teams that you've seen and the form that they're in? Yeah, from what I've seen, David, it have to be Southern Mallee who've got the bye this weekend. Um, in that game I went to earlier in the year, they had uh, three or four injuries, so they were down to no players on the bench and Ararat kicked four or five goals in the last quarter. Um, to that point, no, Southern Mallee have got two of their better players so far this year that won't play another another game. They've gone overseas travelling, Sam Waddell um, and Ben Webster, so they won't play. But they've got last year's um, Tui medalist, which is the equivalent of the um, of the Davy medalist, David, in, in, in the Hunter that we've been so familiar to. Kieran Delahunty moved from Minnesota to the Southern Mallee to coach them this year. So they've got some, they've got some great talent there. So at this stage, it's probably them for me, uh, Southern Mallee for the challenge are at the moment. And is the Wimmera Football League played at a home ground grand final or at the same venue each year? Uh, no, so it moves around. Um, so so that, that hasn't been announced as yet. Okay, so it's we wherever they say it is. Okay, correct. Yeah, yeah. It's um, not. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not Newcastle or it's not. Uh, it's not Sydney to that point where it's based the one ground mostly each year. It, it actually moves around. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, again, th- those times, quarter past 12, A-grade netball, it's 1v2. This is all in. At, what's the name of it? Is it Collins Oval, you said? Uh, Coglin Park. Coglin Park in Horsham. And then the yep. Saints and the Demons, 3v7. And did you say 2.20? Is that right? Yep. 2.20pm. Yep. So keep an eye on that. Massive games in and uh, in the Wimmera Football and Netball League. Lou, anything else you wanted to discuss before we went off air, my friend? It is. I was just going to ask you how old Park was for the for the first time last week. Oh, it's a great setup. Same size as the MCG. It's huge. And um, we commentated on the tent because the amenities are on the opposite side of the ground. Uh, great setup. I didn't realise how big it was. There's a second Aussie rules ground, netball courts, a football ground, cricket nets. We had a bunch of people from the subcontinent uh, practising their spin bowling and the nets directly behind us. That was a great setup. Looked after us really well. Um, and had a good day there. Uh, yeah, no, no complaints. And when they're complex, they're, they're having a massive seven million dollar redevelopment of their of their facility. And I'm, you know, oh, I'd love to see them consider finals there. It's a huge ground, massive. It's Sir George play lower grade uh, Sydney Sydney grade cricket at that particular ground at Olds Park and Bennett. But a great setup. Really enjoyed being there. A huge ground and. You, there's a little bit of a whisper going around, not not as much a whisper, but uh, UTS play on small grounds, and when they get on the bigger grounds like Mike Kenny and Cambridge, and also uh, this ground, they can get found out a bit. And it's sort of certainly set what happens. George played good footy. Patrick Tegg was outrageous in the first half. He and Tim Kernan playing and interestingly at quarterback in the in the defensive centre position was brilliant. But Patrick Tegg was outrageous. He's so quick. Tim Tegg didn't play. But Teg was great. But had a good day, Louis, and double header this weekend. Sydney and Ian Pennant Hill Saturday, and then uh, UT, um, the Jets are playing on Saturday at Henson, so we're at Henson on Sunday for Inner Western and uh, University of New South Wales. So looking forward to that very much. Yeah, Sydney Uni and Pennant Hills would be a big one too. And what was it, Kieran Emery coming off eight or nine goals last week too? So. Uh, yeah, he was held at Manly uh, the, the week before when we broadcast. Um, Sydney and Pennant Hills will make the five. It, they, these are the sort of games they got uh, touched up by North Shore last week, but everybody is. This is a massive game from playing at a very strangely shaped and odd dimension ground. It's, you can get a bit lost there. So, you know, it'd be very interesting to see how Penno go against Sydney. Any two sides that'll be there uh, in the final four, I'm, I'm quite sure. No. 
Lucas, if that, um, thank you so much for your time tonight. It'd be great to catch up with you. It's always good to drill down on things, particularly talking about those West Coast issues. I think that it's good to pick your brain on that sort of stuff. Mate, take care, look after yourself, and uh, enjoy the footy on Saturday at Minyip and then Sunday at Horsham. It should be a beauty. Uh, so hopefully there's a massive crowd. I hope that the weather's good and there's a couple of thousand people there. It's a real good atmosphere. Yeah, it's been windy and a little bit wet in the last couple of weeks, David, so I hope that uh, t- turns a bit blue. But no, looking forward to that. Looking forward to a big week of sports. Of course, second Ashes test tomorrow night. The tour starts Saturday night. Uh, we're, we're in for some late and sleepless nights, guys. <laughs> I won't be having too many daylight nights. I'll have to watch on all those packages. I'll be, Louis, thank you so much for your time. We'll see you soon. Will do. Thank you, David. On behalf of Lucas James Holmes, I'm David Redden. It's great to bring this broadcast. You take care. Look after yourself. Bye for now.